0: This is the Beards of Blue Ridge, episode 51. Good morning, Ooh. gentlemen.
1: Good morning. I feel like fifty one, that's like a good that sounded loud. Did that sound loud?
0: You're over the hill. Well, I feel like fifty one is a big deal. We should go
2: back and call it episode
0: nineteen. <laughs> I mean if, yeah, make yourself feel better, right? If you can't tell Todd is Todd is joining us uh via cell phone. Um remotely. It sounds pretty good. I'm under, I'm under quarantine. Yeah
3: we have currently todd set up next to a cell phone and a giant tub of hand sanitizer just for
0: just in case we didn't know if COVID could come through the phone or anything like that so yeah i spray it on the phone periodically (laughs) yeah keep everybody safe hence your phone will not be working here shortly So, (laughs) So anyways how's uh how's everybody doing we're we're the the final countdown to christmas here um it's, e- excited. it's usually either like really exciting or you're like wow it's
1: really busy right now I think I feel excited I'm, I'm
0: fired up yeah my uh once I work through the shame you know I'm good but...
1: <laughs> we won't get into that this morning so the uh we're working out our, our issues here sure yeah. but there. I'm excited because Santa is visiting yeah, but... see, as long I, as he's not quarantining <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Santa doesn't want a and the <laughs> at of That's a, Santa now
0: has <laughs> Santa now has the nice list, the naughty list, and the corn quor- the quarantine list. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, again, it's trip in all the he's not going which is causing them a lot of shame is what I'm picking up from Apparently, you. yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, again, like I said, it, I don't know that addiction made
3: me feel ashamed is what I feel with potentially having COVID. Potentially having COVID. I like yeah. how he, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. A I, took, I took two at-home tests and they were positive, but I have to go get the legit PCR test, which and then I told my boss and he said,
0: most of the false po- false negatives are the issue with the at-home test the pos- when a positive it's pretty accurate but i don't know yeah i used to it make it like i used done. to i used to make claims for false positives with drug tests too sure. <laughs> yeah. right. i'd be like yeah, listen we, here's the science <laughs> we're talking this right is, now anything could happen they'd be like well you're popping oh, I mean, on for that, thc what? the
2: yeah. whole thing doesn't serve to because there's this weird weird dynamic of like if somebody gets super sick with it you go from this um initially like shaming this feeling of shame to then um oh you're concerned about the person but i, I still not understand i because I, I don't feel like i did that to people that were covid positive that i i knew it none of them said but that's kind of what i felt just like, underlying sense of stay away from me, okay? and I get it, but you could do it nicer than what it's, I feel like it's
1: been done. I feel yeah. like I sent you a text that said, how are you? Yeah, well, I'm not Very nice. about you guys,
2: see your
1: own family. Like, oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, neither of my families would hang out with me if they thought I had it. No, I'm not. You know, that's weird. I don't know. I just wasn't prepared for the the
3: shame that I feel about it, the dirtiness. It is a different dynamic.
1: I think it brings up our own stuff is what I think.
2: Yeah, maybe some selfishness on people like, oh, I don't want to be impacted by
1: having to deal with that. Well, everybody gets afraid of it, right? And then whenever we're afraid, we're not thinking clear. At least I'm not on either side of it so then we tend to react to people you know
2: so you admit you've been mean this morning to Brian over all of this
0: yes
1: no probably if anything <laughs> just Graham. I didn't take away Graham's shame just Graham
0: I contributed Brian,
1: we've had a lot of fun because we've been debating stuff but but Graham I could I could feel that he felt a little shame over the prior conversation about distance <laughs> and then i i didn't remove that from him so if anything that was more that brian i totally feel good about it because <laughs> <laughs> we've just been having fun yeah. it's a really good therapy session we going awesome. on right now yeah it's a good one.
0: well we we hope you uh get good news and you feel better todd here shortly yeah. i don't feel bad that's me i mean you know outside of it's
1: just congestion and whatnot I'm- I had one of the best workouts in my life. Like two Outside kids. of congestion, <laughs> fever, lung, cough, fever you
0: know, muscle right? pain, aches. The fever, it's the congestion, runny nose, um,
1: a little bit of a cough, mild headaches. <laughs> this is going to segue into our talk got about denial. i like my home gym, kind of resolved that
2: stuff. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think eh, now just to kind of rub it in a little bit, since we're in Todd's office, we should decorate it in like yellow safety tape and hazmat suits and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. when he comes back.
1: Plastic well, everywhere. Doing, leg, doing a leg workout with COVID is probably not the smartest move for anybody out there listening. So for all our COVID infected listeners who are trying to work out right now. Don't do Stop your legs. Yeah. Rest up. <laughs> you know, you take you know uh, it takes too much oxygen from
0: your body and then you just super You know, Win Hoff says <laughs> that his breathing will help with the congestion. Man, Again, that's his his own unscientific claim. But <laughs> uh, sure, sure. that is his claim. So I like that. I like
3: that. Well, so what how was y'all's weekends how what'd y'all get into?
0: I can't get past wow. the shame.
3: So. <laughs> We've established that.
1: <laughs> Did you get covered this weekend, Tom? Other than that, <laughs> I was trying to steer it away. I know, tried to pull it out, and he just yanked it back. He pulled out it right again, back
0: in. The COVID ditch. Right back in. I
1: had a good. I had a good
0: weekend. Um, actually. I uh, worked, worked with a family very similar to the stuff that we're talking about now, helping one of their loved ones nice. get some help, and like they did get some help, which is a good thing. Um, yeah,
1: that's good. Good. Nice. Thank you, my, have uh, My church, my meeting, you know, I did go to, well, no, we always go to Jump world when it's cold or rainy. And then after that, I wanted to try Wahlburgers. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because I watched that show for, like, three years. Mm -hmm. So I was fired up. But like most things, I don't know. that It was good. It was good. It was really pricey because the closest one was the battery. And then I had to pay almost half of what the meal cost for parking. Mm -hmm. So it really wasn't worth the trip. But I'm glad I did it because now I know. What So it was all right. It was all right. That was about my big excitement. And none of my kids really... Are into Marky Mark, so they don't understand yeah. what a big deal Mac is. Right. So, mm-hmm. that was it. That was my excitement.
3: I had. I worked at Rent Center once years ago, and we deliver in to all kinds of places in North Georgia and stuff yeah. like that. We went to one. I went to deliver a refrigerator uh, to this woman out in the middle of absolute nowhere, Delonica. She lived in a trailer on like an acre um, in the middle of nowhere. We delivered this fridge in there, and she welcomes us in, and she's like, "I want to show y'all something." And she had an entire room, an entire room completely 100% dedicated to new kids on the block. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. She had wallpapers. She had like little figurines, little playing cards, little magazines. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. She also had a pet chicken named Taco Bell. (laughs) But she was awesome. She
1: always played her (laughs) bill on time. (laughs) I have lots of wonderful experiences. That went in a whole other direction. That was That's amazing. I
0: wasn't expecting that. I feel like we could do a
1: podcast on just that lady. She was amazing, amazing,
3: seriously. Yeah, yeah. In fact, the only time mm-hmm. she didn't pay her bill is when her pet Taco Bell died. She came into the store well, I understand the day that. after. And she was very sad. <laughs> That'd be sad. She also offered us moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> like the real Dolanica moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> the part I was gonna leave out of that. Yeah, door.
1: well no, that that's yeah, the I, best part. That's, yeah. that's
2: chugging some moonshine to see how it impacted COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See if you
3: could kill COVID with moonshine.
2: Yeah, well, no, mm. I mean, it, it, back in the day, it resolved a lot of issues like that. Yeah. Heck, you could you could have it to to run your two-stroke motorcycle back up in the mountain, <laughs> a little bit in there and put it like gas, or you just down some of it and it'd get rid of whatever virus you got.
1: I, well, yeah. I don't think it got rid of it. It probably covered it up. <laughs> know Again, I don't know oh, that, that that's scientific, but I like where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, I feel much,
2: like, much like the world has set up uh, some boundaries for me mm. and not really, but basically imprisoned me and stuff. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, we, 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 <laughs> got, we got last week right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is a that beautiful was, uh, segue. Wonderful here. segue. Yeah. Yeah.
0: To recap, last week we talked about loving someone with an addiction, or someone who's in an addiction, and we talked through boundaries and and healthy ways to to help yeah. them. We talked about two different, uh, very real scenarios. You know, you got the uh, younger adult, so to speak, and then an older, more self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, each situation is very different, but. And then we ended giving giving you guys some uh, some options yeah. of how to get some help because I think it's important for everyone to hear that one your loved one and I can speak for myself like you can't you can't get into recovery and be successful alone it takes a yeah. community and it takes other people and I think also on the flip side if you have a loved one who is in active addiction or is in recovery uh you also can't do that alone right so things like alan on and and building a community and and things like that but um i kind of wanted to jump go ahead i I think nailing down some more specifics people can keep in mind you
2: as their loved one or significant other whatever going through the process i you know i think one of the most important things is first that person, not the person trying to get sober or in recovery, but the person that, that loves that person, they got to learn to take care of themselves mm-hmm. first. So you know, it's like what you, you what happens in addiction is if you really look at the whole person, um, somebody you lose your physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual sides of yourself. Usually, the physical being the the last piece. Um, you'll lose your spiritual side first when you're actively using, and then when you get sober, this spiritual is the last thing that comes back. Well, the same process happens with the codependent or the le- person that's that loves the addict, is they, they start to lose those sides of themselves, and they quit doing things they enjoy. Um, the addiction becomes this like secret that they try to keep in the closet. Like I watch my parents give up things they love to do, um, even down to their communal events, whether it's church or whatever, they try to keep things quiet, and they pulled away from people because they would ask questions. You yeah, and it's just not taking care of themselves uh, when they allowed my addiction to kind of consume their, their physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual life. Um, the next thing I kind of say to, to people is to, to realize your loved one's not a monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, though like I behaved like a monster, um, I, I wasn't a monster, and I think, you know, it, you know, the lack of a better way to put it is like I felt, in a sense, I had no choice to do but what I was doing because of the, the addictive nature of the disease, um, and, and that's something you've got to take into consideration, it's like how much you really know about substance abuse and the disease protection, you need to learn more about it. Um, so I think those are, are three things off the bat somebody can start to do is take care of yourself, realize, hey, your, your loved one's not a monster. Three, I got I to gotta learn some more about substance abuse and how it impacts people. Um, and then one of the biggest things is you can't use any kind of love, comfort, anything like that as a weapon. Because I don't know how many times you hear people say, well, if you really love me, stop using or you wouldn't do this to me you know all that and that, that's just a shame she, that's kind of what you know Marcos did to graham this morning very <laughs> shame, <laughs> shame <laughs> a um, so you have to be very cautious about that and, and then you got to know that, that you know you can support your loved one to get sober without enabling them and that's the whole little piece in of itself um, know that they gotta learn from the, their own mistakes and be prepared to, that recovery is a long term lifetime process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a you go, go away for thirty days and you
0: should be good. You yeah. know Yeah, I can I can tell you I like I'm gonna kinda go backwards in what you said there. The first thing last thing you talked about was, you know, when you hear family say, why don't you just stop? Like I don't I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, you know, and I can tell you from my own experience with, with my dad and my family and with me working with families too, usually that comes from again, just a lack of knowledge around what mm-hmm. is actually happening in inside the brain, um, and and lack of knowledge just overall in addiction, right? So I, I think I agree with that, Todd. For for a lot of these people, is go whether it's seeking help or going to seminars, whether it's things that we have at Blue Ridge. There's other places all over Atlanta that you can that you can go and and get some really good education on what's actually happening and what addiction is and, and you know, how basically your brain is just hijacked by a yeah. substance right now that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily let you off the hook for, for, for things that you, for, that your loved one has done. It doesn't make it okay. But at the same time, yeah, there's a very real, uh, just incapable of making good decisions incapable of not using, you know, cause it's just, it's just hijacked yeah. by a substance. Um, But yeah, I think getting educated is, is super important. Um, You know, setting, setting boundaries is again, I think, I think one of the most important ones as well too. And, and understanding too, this is where community and other relationships and professionals come is understanding that sometimes boundaries aren't, um, they're not, how am I trying to say it are Sometimes they, they don't feel like they're the most loving thing, right? You hear people say all the time, "Oh, I need tough love," and it's like, no, you just need to love them. You yeah. know, like it's right. it's the same, it's the same thing across the board. There's no difference between the warm, fuzzy feeling and the one that doesn't really feel great. You know, right. um, I want to know that love is that love doesn't mean um,
2: financial support. It doesn't yeah. mean you know. It's like nowadays, like who in the world would ever think of not not having a cell phone? You know, because I right. hear it all the time. Parents say, "Well, I can't." I can't not pay a cell phone bill. How am I supposed to get a hold of You know, sure, yeah. and, and those are kind of things I think parents loved ones have to really take a hard look at. And in, in any way, share or form, you can love somebody and not provide financial support or mm-hmm. enabling, if you will, uh, the car payments or insurance or cell phones or, you know what I mean? Yeah. All that kind of stuff or some boundaries you can start to set up for yourself. because... If you give an addict, an alcoholic the basic needs of what they think, they need, like some sort of shelter, some sort of transportation, they'll
0: figure ways out to get high. Sure. You. Well, you got to give them, you got to give them a, re- again, too, if your brain is so hijacked like that, the only way to really shake someone, wake them up, you got to give them a reason to stop. You know what I mean? Like, right. like you're saying, if they're, if they have a cell phone, if they're comfortable, if they have food, if they have the basic needs why Why would they stop? Why would I have stopped? You know yeah. what I mean? Or any of us, because we're not, we're comfortable. You know, we have, we have the yeah. basic things that we need, but really revelatory thing happens again for addicts when all of a sudden they, they have to figure that stuff out, right? Yeah. Essentially their problems become their problems and not mom and dad's, you know, but those things are tough. That's why we keep driving home, like get an Al-Anon, get a community, get some professionals, you know yeah. what I mean? Because breaking through codependency is, it's tough. It's like the mom I told this weekend. I've been telling for a while, like, hey, your son, your son has alcohol and you have your son. Right. Yeah. I kept driving at home like he drinks alcohol and you have him. Like, you are yeah. you are addicted to meeting his needs and we have to we have to work on you. And if we work on you, then he's going to be put to a, he's going to have to make a choice, you know, right. um, but we can't control him, you know. And I love what Todd's saying, too, like, you know, you got to take care of yourself first. It's the same example of when you're on the airplane you know and they like, say hey, when the, when the oxygen drops down put yours on first before you help anyone else's you know because yeah. if you go to help the other person well you might not be able to breathe and you might might die so you can't help anyone else uh if you're not helping yourself
1: you know correct? yeah i would you know kind of what you're saying that the like if i could use in, in a consequence-free environment then why ever stop so like if, i'll tell families Kind of like what graham's saying that if i could if i could live in your home eat your food steal your car like where's the consequence there is no there's no good compelling reason to stop using all the messages you're getting is this is awesome yeah <laughs> what i'm doing is great yeah so i think to to graham and todd's point like if we're not like for the the addict or the dependent or substance you whatever term you want to use the alcoholic the They have to realize that they're powerless over their substance and their lives become unmanageable and i think for the families they have to realize that they're powerless (laughs) over fixing curing causing their loved ones addiction or or saving them and i've it's hard for me because i got family members where i'm on the 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 side of it where i have to accept that i can't do that even knowing what i know all i can do is support them have boundaries try to encourage them with the right people because it doesn't matter what i know when it comes down to it i'm still just their loved one yeah. so i've become as is uh because i love i become as biased or as blind as anybody you know mm-hmm. yeah. which is weird well, for I me to so. accept that's a good point because i think a lot of people it's like if if you knew how to help your loved one you would have already done it right you
2: correct be, yeah right yeah. the most skilled seasoned clinician professional whatever but again it comes to our, our family member we have a hard time doing that and, and here, here's something that's probably going to sting a lot of people but uh, i think one of the first things people have to do when it comes to boundaries and understanding themselves in the relationship with an addict is the, the sick part about it is many people feel like they have a sense of it gives them a sense of pers- purpose mm-hmm. that makes them feel needed to go out and fix and help and rescue uh, addicts and alcoholics, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. um, and, and people will get angry about that statement, say, well, I would much rather them not be doing this than me have have this feeling. I don't feel that way. And I, and I get it. We all would rather them not be doing it. The problem is, is that's what codependency is. And enabling is you go and you get a sense of purpose. I've seen it. Where the the addict heals, the alcoholic gets better, the family remains super sick. Mm -hmm. And try, it almost sabotages the recovery. Um, So, you know, I think one of the first things people in relationships with alcoholics and addicts have to admit or get to and question is, hey, am I selfishly getting something from their illness, you mm-hmm. know? It makes me feel good to go in and rescue. And in the moment, we won't admit that. We'll say, uh, no, I would much rather not have a crisis. But see, for me as, as a human, I actually function extremely well in crisis. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, that's one of the things I enjoy happening. I can put my operational expertise to, to in, in, in process when that happens. Um, and that's selfish. It's better to not have a crisis, but I actually function really well in them, mm-hmm. much like yeah. a lot of family members do when they're out rescuing and saving, and you know what I
1: mean. Yeah. No, I I feel the same way as a as a family member with it, and also as a as a counselor working with addicts all the time and people in recovery, because you can you definitely have that like, you know, I saved the day. Your ego can tell mm-hmm. you, or It can give you a sense of purpose, but, but really anybody who gets sober, I really know that it was all the work that they did between Mm -hmm. them and their higher power. If they're Uh, appreciative of anything, it just means they're doing what they need to do. Right. But, but to your point, like I still have to watch that on a daily basis with my own family members that are in recovery or using, and then also just with the, the my job, i can get into all those things that you're talking about and the the part of me can love to rescue love to have the answers i love to to be the guy that knows the thing that can help you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah I, all all that goes right into the ego and gives me a false sense of now really i'm powerless i know some stuff but it's really on the individual yeah
0: you know well yeah it's for for those listening too i just keep thinking you know Whatever's going on with your loved one or your friend, or whether it's your kids or your husband or your wife, whatever's happening, you didn't cause it,
1: yeah,
0: and you can't fix it, right? Um, and the more you try to fix it, the deeper it's probably going to run in them and in you, um, right. but you can't fix yourself, right? right? And inadvertently, that's they're going to feel that, yeah. You know, that's what we're talking about, and it's just our job is never to fix it. Yeah. Our job is not to figure out necessarily what's what's the problem right that's the that's the individuals that was my job is is to is to figure out what was going on and work yeah, on that as you a know? person
1: in recovery it's their job with their therapist clinician treatment center yeah AA home group NA home whatever it is it's their job to figure that out with them
0: yeah and again if you're in a crisis hear me say it does not matter what caused it or what the issue is the issue is like you're in a very dire situation. Right. Let's figure out how to get out of it. Right. right. Um, but it's tough, man. It, it really yeah. is. It's tough. It's not impossible. It's just it's, it's tough.
1: Well, know? and even if you think about, because to me, like the figuring it out, at least for me, is like an illusion of control. Because then, if I figured it out, then you don't ever have to go through it, or you can remove it. It's almost like then you can remove your your alcoholism or something. Yeah. And so, as much as I've quote, and figured out about my character flaws and attitudes, it hasn't changed my addictive personality. Yeah. All it means is that I have a little bit more information, but I have to do the same thing today that I did in the very beginning. And tomorrow I got to do the same thing that I did today. So there really is no figuring it out in the sense of, of you get the cure, at least not that I'm aware of, yeah. at least not for me. Yeah. The
0: other thing I run into is people, i oh, I'll talk with people on hear a lot. Well, how do I know when the right time is to intervene? Well, I tell people right now. Yeah. You know I mean, the fact that we're having this conversation tells me that you, we need to just work on ourselves and intervene or, or help yeah. them out. Right. And I say, well, you know, they're, they're still functioning they're going to work. They haven't lost their job. They haven't had legal. And I say, well, yeah, not yet. You know, like addiction is progressive. It, right. it gets worse if it's not treated and, and unchecked. So, there's never a well, that's, that's
2: like saying, well, you know, I'm not going to intervene on so-and-so getting cancer and trying to help them because they don't really have any symptoms of it yet. Yeah, they right. don't need chemo so, yet. So, you know, know, so, we'll yeah, we'll just let them keep smoking. Yeah, right. Because, you know, I mean, or it's, that's it's, the insanity yeah. of it is, is people look at it is if something external is supposed to happen first when they don't realize the internal
1: damage that's already been done mm-hmm. right yeah but like you don't you don't like it to me the metaphor like what you're saying would be like it's just stage one cancer we don't really need to intervene till it's yeah. four yeah you right. know what i mean Like life when it becomes but that's that's where you you're in big trouble when you're intervening on stage four you know yeah, right. yeah. you're better off at one or earlier stages whatever that is before that yeah i agree so always yeah, be proud my
0: nephew you know we talked a little bit about you know the today's world with the type of weed that's out and all these designer things and it's like you
2: know at the end of the day it's just not it's just not worth the risk you know yeah. to to experiment you know yeah. at a young age like for me if i was talking to a young person um it's just not worth the risk because the the
0: consequence can be so severe the first time um that it, it can destroy your life for good you know yeah. i've seen yeah. people 18 years old smoke
2: spice and not come back you know
0: yeah yeah i mean you're playing you're playing russian roulette yeah for, seriously you're, you're basically just spinning spinning the revolver and hoping like I hope, I hope there's not a bullet in the chamber, you know, right. um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and things are so different now, even, even like to use that example of, of smoking weed, you know, like it's, I tell families now like it's very different from 15 years ago when I was, right, you know, right. things look very, very different. And with the vape pens and all this kind of stuff, like it's all, it's just not worth it. Yeah. You know? Um, cause it can, you can, it can take you down and, and will, a very dark road that unfortunately some people just you don't you don't ever come back from yeah you know and it's not it's not worth the it's not worth the risk right you know well um, i
2: think too looking over I, we talked about a little bit last time but talking about the early signs that if somebody's doing the right things in recovery and boundaries you need to have i think brian may be well suited to, to talk about too and
3: that way families can kind of see are they the right mm-hmm. well and that's a really hard thing to to be able to understand is because the question that todd posed to me last week was what does it look like when you know somebody's it, it looks like they're starting to get it or they're starting to get on that path they're starting to, to get down that direction and i think the thing that i typically tend to see in somebody is you know all of a sudden they start to see a little bit more hope yeah there's there's some hope in there so it turns from like the negative consequences to here's this thing that I'm driving towards or this thing that I'm looking towards. But you guys really touched on it. It's like, well, what can I do in terms of holding boundaries and stuff like that? I don't know the right answers to all those things, but what I do know is I have to continue to work on myself. And yeah. there, are, there are things, there are boundaries that I have to have that I can't compromise on. Yeah.
0: Well, what we're going to do... And we're back for... <laughs> And better than ever. Better than ever. We, we ran out of time. I won't I won't blame it on any one person. Probably the person who's not here in person. But, <laughs> no, but we... I can be long-winded, you know? So. Yeah, right. Yeah, but you, you were. Yeah. With exactly. Yes, well, what, we're, what we're going to do is... is this leads to we just finished up part two. We're going to be back next week for part three, and we want to talk about the differences of there's you got to get healthy like we talked about you got to have boundaries you can work on yourself yeah. especially when your loved one is an active addiction but it doesn't it, it's like todd's i think todd said earlier is it's not a treatment's not a magic wand you can't just be yeah. oh i got them in treatment and i'm good they're good everything's fixed like it's a long yeah. it's a long-term lifetime process and i think uh we can have brian lead us in the discussion of yeah. early recovery what that looks like for your loved one and then also how things look similar but might be a little bit different as far as working on yourself boundaries all that kind of stuff when your loved one's in treatment and then we can yeah. also discuss aftercare because i think i think again people think oh they go to 35 days of treatment and they're done it's Thank like and it's no no, no 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 no, we're just getting started folks so um i think we can do that next week after we all have a merry christmas
1: not all of us <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah <no. laughs> Most of us, unless <laughs> unless I've been infected, and then I will be in some basement texting Todd. I can't be. <laughs> well, I think then we can could, we could probably get together and Christmas. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. Do a uh, COVID Christmas well, podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
3: like,
0: well, let's wrap up there. And, Todd, we hope you feel better. Yeah. Thank yep. you guys for listening. We'll be back part three next week. Hope yep. you all have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hopefully Santa doesn't pass over your home this year, but see you guys next week.